Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the flagship show for Bavarian Podcast Works. Typically, you would hear two people on this show, but unfortunately, due to some staffing issues, you only have me. And who better to bring you the grim news than the Grim Reaper himself? No, not I need no name, but me. We are going to see the pessimistic version of me, which doesn't often come out, but today it is. But first, before we get to all the grave details surrounding the Nicholas Sula situation, let's talk about the game on Sunday between Bayern Munich and Hertha Berlin, which of course played out to be a spectacular effort from the Bavarians who were just dominant from start to finish. So I'll try and get some enthusiasm as I speak through this, but uh, it might be tough at times. As you know, I've been a big proponent of keeping Nicholas Sula at Bayern Munich, and that seems like it is a far uh, reach from happening. So uh, let's tackle the game. Of course, we saw Bayern Munich start the match extremely strong and really just never let up. It was one of the more dominant efforts I can recall over the past couple of seasons Hertha Berlin just had no chance. They were overmatched in every single way. Now, granted, they were playing a very young and inexperienced lineup, but in these types of matches, you want to see Bayern Munich go out, assert itself, not mess around, and uh, really just batter the competition. That's what they did. I think the only thing you could really be upset about from an offensive standpoint is the, uh, I would say, lackluster finishing. Uh, Bayern Munich easily could have had seven, eight, nine goals. I mean, easily. These were easy chances. But for one reason or another, many went awry. But in the end, uh, it was just really a phenomenal effort from Bayern Munich. Thomas Muller, I thought, was great. Joshua Kimmich uh, probably had his best game of the past two seasons. Uh, He was just fantastic working in the central midfield role again. Uh, you could go on and on. One of the only shocks in the match was that Robert Lewandowski did not get an opportunity to score. Uh, For whatever reason, even when there were some chances that looked like they might normally go to Lewandowski, other players opted to shoot. And uh, in in some cases they were successful, like Serge Gnabry's goal. So, uh, you know, Louis, I'm sure he was uh, probably not Overly thrilled with uh, being left off the score sheet, but I'm sure he'll take three points just like everyone else. Uh, The only other, uh, I guess, mark on the game that was subpar was Dio Upamakano's kind of really circus effort in (laughs) giving up a goal. Uh, It was really unnecessary, and it was good to see that Julian Nagelsmann uh, didn't play that one down the middle, didn't go chalk on it. He criticized Upamakano for the gaffe. And I think he should have. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Upa Makano's season has been up and down. Uh, he's certainly a talented player. He's certainly a player who looks like he's going to be someone the club builds around from a defensive standpoint. But, uh, you know, he's had his issues this year. He's been bullied at times by bigger, stronger strikers. Uh, you know, positionally, sometimes he's been not in the best spots on the field. And he has been prone to some mistakes. Now listen, I'm not going to overreact to it. It was, it was really, it was a silly play in the end, and it shouldn't have been made, and it was a terrible decision. Uh, but it was a, it was a blowout match, and it didn't hurt. So uh, you almost have to just kind of look past this, let the player know that he did something extremely um, poor, and then he needs to improve on that. And I think that's what Nagelsmann's message was all about. It's really not an acceptable thing for a Bayern Munich defender to make that type of play. 
you know, we saw Hertha Berlin engage in a little bit of that. They had some really clownish plays on their own in their own end defensively. And, you know, you don't like to see Bayern Munich do that, especially from Upamakano, who uh, was such a highly touted signing and he's had a good season. There's no reason to come crashing down on him for one mistake. He's been good. I think he's been the third best of the team center backs. And I, I feel really strongly about that. Honestly, I think Sula and Hernandez, Luca Hernandez have both been uh, much better than Uba Makano. But that said, he still has had a good season, still has a lot of talent, still has some development, room for development within his game. And looks like he's going to be uh, really a foundational piece for this club moving forward. So in the end, Bayern Munich just had a, uh, you know, it was, like I said, a dominant effort and they were able to do what they needed to do in this type of game. So that was extremely good to see. And hopefully they can keep it going after this international break, which I think comes at a good time for a number of reasons. One, it's going to help them get even more healthy, which is which is nice. Uh, hopefully the boys stay in town, don't get a chance to travel because uh, last time they did, we had uh, just an outbreak of COVID cases. So it would be nice to see them stick around Bavaria, get get their training in um, and get healthy. And I think when Bayern Munich comes back and they have a full squad, this is going to be a dangerous, uh, really just a, a, a dangerous group that's capable of winning the Champions League and, and eventually pulling away in the Bundesliga. So that's the one thing we have to take a look at. It's the one thing we have to keep watching, the health situation of Bayern Munich and how they manage it as the season goes on, as this schedule becomes more condensed and becomes more of a grind. Hopefully Bayern can, can really avoid those injuries, those nagging uh, long-term, or nagging and or long-term injuries, to be honest. We want to see this club be ready for the UCL games and have them be ready to be healthy. It would be awesome to see what this what this team looks like at full strength in the Champions League. Uh, another great reason that the team has off this week is uh, because of the Nicholas Sula uh, kind of fiasco that's going on right now. Of course, we saw on Sunday that club president Herbert Hayner uh, issued a statement saying that the club had made Nicholas Sula an offer and they were waiting to hear back. Unfortunately, that seemed very confusing to Sula because the following day we saw the news finally break that Sula would not be coming back and that he was confused by Hainer's statement. And, uh, you know, especially because he had indicated in, in their last round of conversations that he would not be re-signing with the club, which is really a shame. Uh, but let's just first touch on that. Uh as you know, someone who's listened to the podcast here, I've been a big proponent of Byron bringing Nicholas Sula back. I think between his size, his strength, his speed, he is a real unicorn of a center back. He is tremendous. I think he can do so many things. And it's not just his physical attributes that make him such a valuable figure. He is technically skilled. He's a great passer. He can get involved. In the set piece game, he's good at headers. He just offers so much. And the fact that he's so versatile and flexible that you can push him out to right back, that you can move him to left center back, you can basically play him anywhere along that back line and get the same results. He's been that good when healthy. So I get it from his standpoint. The fact that he feels a little disrespected 
The fact that he feels underappreciated, I totally understand it. And that was the latest story that we saw uh, that Sula felt underappreciated because of the lack of financial commitment given to him uh, as compared to some of the other players that were re-signed like Yashua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, and Kingsley Coman. So I'm sure at some point Sula had the idea that he was going to come to Bayern Munich, establish himself, and be a part of the club's legacy. And something went awry along the way. Of course, you know, there are many different theories as to what happened, but some of the things that have come out and some of the things that have been speculated about, obviously, Sula's fitness has come into question a couple of times. Uh, you know, we we were at the forefront of the hashtag fat Sula jokes because, as we've said a million times, it's ridiculous. The guy is a world-class athlete. Sometimes he probably did carry a couple of extra LBs, but I'm not sure that that really mattered as much. For a player like him, uh, he operates in such a manner that I'm sure he got himself back into tip-top shape pretty quickly. And it seemed like all of those kind of rumors and whispers had gone away, and then he had kind of lost that uh, that <laughs> that stigma of being a guy that that battles his weight because we hadn't heard really much of that this season. Uh, you know, another thing that that I guess has been theorized is that Bayern Munich took a look at his medical history, and they've seen that he's torn his ACL twice, and it was just a calculated gamble that he might not really have that much durability left in, in his knees that because he's so big, it could be more wear and tear and that this is just a, a calculated risk to make him a low ball offer, hoping he would resign it to make, to, to really just minimize the risk uh, associated with signing him to a long-term deal. Uh, I don't know again, if I believe that with the way modern medicine is, it seems like after that one year gap, these players have all come back at a, at a really strong rate. And if you look at Leroy Sané and Nicholas Sula this season compared to what they looked like last season, it is like night and day. Some players take a little bit longer. Quarantan Tolisso, I felt like needed two seasons to really get back to where he was. And some would argue he's still not there, but he's looking more and more like he has recovered. But back to Sula, I think that, you know, all of these theories and all of these criticisms that he has perceived come that have come from the club, I mean, there is some legitimacy to them but in the end, I look at his overall talent. I look at the sporting perspective of what he offers, and I think it's a big mistake to let him go. Listen, we all know that whoever Bayern Munich gets, there are going to, it's going to be a talented player. It's going to be a top-tier player. So replacing Sula is not going to be all that difficult. So I'm not going to really overplay that. They're going to bring in a good player. I have zero doubt about that. But you do lose a lot in what Sula offers, whether it's his speed for a man of that size, whether it's his overall strength. He does not get bullied by the big strikers. He's able to use his feet to keep up with the pacey strikers. He is just physically strong. And again, that versatility to be able to move along the back line, to push out to right back and give you the same kind of effort that you would get from a world-class caliber right back. You can't find it there. You can't find center backs that are just as comfortable operating on the left side as they are on the right side. And that's one of the things I think you could look at, you know, when we, when we referenced Dio Upamakano's uh, big mistake over the weekend, he was playing on the left side at that point and he didn't look comfortable. And in fact, you could attribute that his mistake to, I guess you could attribute that to where he was playing and the decision he made from that position. 
Sula is comfortable at both center back spots. He's comfortable flexing into this hybrid formation that Julian Nagelsmann runs. So to me, he was the perfect center back for this modern game to build around. And it's disappointing. It's disappointing for all those sporting reasons we just talked about. It's disappointing from a financial perspective that if there was an issue, if there was anything going on one year ahead of this, that Bayern Munich might have had an inclination that they were not going to be able to extend Sula's contract, then I think the way the modern game is, especially during the COVID-19 eras, you have to make a decision. And that is to sell early rather than be too late, which is exactly what happened. And for as much as I think it would have been painful for some fans to lose Sula last summer, you were also bringing in Upamakano at the same time. You also had Hernandez in-house. You also have Benjamin Pavar, who is just as capable at center back as he is his right back, maybe even better at center back. So you had options, you had coverage, you had Chris Richards before you loaned him out to Hoffenheim. Uh, even if you wanted to dig down deeper, you had Tangai Nianzu, who, you know, in my opinion, is, has not looked that great, but is a youngster still full of potential. Uh, you had a lot of options. So for it to get to this point where you are now, where Sula, all of these stories are coming out about Sula and how he is unhappy with the way he's been treated and how he feels underappreciated to now that he's going to be leaving for free, just from a sporting perspective and a financial perspective, it's just not a good look. Uh, One of the things I wrote about in my commentary today was just the, the little bit of arrogance that comes with dealing with Bayern Munich when you are a player and a player representative Uh, When they enter these negotiations, it seems like, and again, I'm not sitting at the table, I'm not in the room, just saying what it looks like from what we read and what we see and the discussions we saw in the Behind the Legend documentary, which was fantastic. There's just a little bit of arrogance from the club and how they deal with players. And I get that. And they should have a little bit of arrogance. Bayern Munich can offer players something that not many other clubs can, and that is the constant competition and realistic possibility to capture trophies every single season. The Bundesliga, the Pokal, and the Champions League are legitimate. They're legitimate chances every season. Uh, If you were a player at Bayern Munich, you go into every season knowing you have a chance. If you were a player at Arsenal, you probably don't have a chance at the Champions League most years. If you were a player at Manchester United, you might be getting paid a really nice salary. You know, you really are not even in the running for your own league at this point anymore. So there are very few clubs that can offer that. You could maybe make the case for Man City, you could maybe make the case for Chelsea, but in the end, uh, there just aren't a lot. And with the way things are going with Real Madrid and FC Barcelona, you know, of course they offer great opportunities as well, but they have so many issues on their own rosters that a player like Sula might not be someone they could even look at at this stage. So what Bayern Munich can offer in terms of a sporting perspective to players, they do have this innate ability to be a bit arrogant in how they deal with players and to offer a little bit less money, which it appears is something that they have done with Sula and Sula did not like it. Now, the one piece of, of real optimism, and I think it was RLD or someone else who had mentioned this, and I can't remember if it was in the comments or if it was in the BFW Slack channel, is that perhaps... Bayern Munich put an offer on the table and they said, if you can go out and find someone to beat this offer, great, take it. You have our blessing. But if you don't come on back, we still have room for you. 
And secretly, that's what I'm hoping happens because I would really like to see Sula come back. I would like to see him uh, see what's out there and make a comparison and think about what's best for his own career. And hopefully that would be Bayern Munich because I think that's where he belongs. Do I think that's going to happen? No, but it is a nice thought to have. And I, and I did appreciate that with whoever said it, because I think that it, it does show that if it's true or if that's really what's going on, that Bayern Munich recognizes what Sula brings to the table. But they also might recognize that it might be very difficult for him to get what he wants financially out on the market. Now, we'll see how desperate clubs like Chelsea or Newcastle get. Chelsea, of course, they could lose Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen this summer, which would be really devastating for them. So it wouldn't shock me if that happens, that they would make a really hard line pursuit of Sula. I think Chelsea's going to retain at least one of those two players, so it won't be quite as desperate, but I guess it's a possibility. We have seen FC Barcelona linked to Sula. That's another one you could probably see Barca scrounging up the money from the banks to make a run at Sula. So maybe that wouldn't be all that shocking either. Uh, but, you know, Sula's going to have to do his due diligence. He's going to have to weigh a couple of things. A club like Barca or a club like Chelsea, they can absolutely offer a very good sporting perspective to him, a chance for trophies. But the other club that's been <laughs> rumored to be interested in him is Newcastle United, who really doesn't have much to offer from a sporting perspective. From a financial perspective, though, they can offer him the world, which maybe that's what he wants. Maybe that's what this is all about. And if it is, that's that's his prerogative. As a professional athlete, you get a very short window to live your career and you need to make as much money as possible. So if they can offer him a you know substantial increase from what Bayern Munich did, maybe it's worth it for him to play for them and not have to worry about trophies and, and play pressure-free. I don't know how much fun he'll have doing that, but that's also an option for him. So how this all plays out, I guess we'll see over the next few weeks and months. It's a sad thing from a Bayern perspective to lose such a talented and valuable player, a player that really did look like a cornerstone for both club and country. Uh, I don't know. I'm very disappointed with how it played out, but this is life in modern football. So the focus will now move on to who does Byron get to replace Nicholas Sula? Will it be Nico Schlotterbeck from Freiburg? Will it be either Christensen or Rudiger? Will it be Matthias Ginter? Will it be an outside the box solution like Matthias Delict? who, again, was one of these players that Bayern Munich had interest in. And since there's a history there, his name is going to pop up. Is it realistic that Bayern would spend the expected 60 million euro to bring in a player like Flick? I don't know. It seems kind of far-fetched at this point. But losing Sula could pressure Bayern to make a move that maybe they're not ultimately super comfortable with, but know that they need to do. So I would guess that the performances of Luca Hernandez and Dio Upamakano in the coming weeks will help Bayern Munich determine exactly how dig in, how deep into their pockets they need to dig to get another center back. But it will be interesting to see. And, and you know, I'm also pretty fascinated in how Julian Nagelsmann is going to handle Sula from this point. Uh, now that it's not quite official, but it's well known that he's probably leaving. Does he become persona non grata on the roster? Does he not play as much? Uh, we've seen that situation play out before, you know, or does Bayern Munich 
really just go for it and say, we're going to use our best 11, no matter what the individual's contract status is. And I think there's a good track record for that. in what we saw last year and how Byron Munich handled David Alaba and Jerome Boateng. So, you know, I hope for Byron's Champions League chances and their Bundesliga chances that they go with their best 11. And I believe Sula is in that. But, um, you know, the club also has to consider its future and consider that it just paid uh, a decent chunk of change for Upamakano and they want to bolster his confidence and maybe not sit him behind another player who would be leaving. So we'll be following this one intently as it goes on. Uh, I guess what we could do for one other rumor that we've heard, we can just slap it on here. And that's the Frankie de Jong rumor that Bayern Munich had reached out and made contact with his representatives. I, I fall in line with Tom Adams on this and I wish I had Tommy on, but he was unavailable. Um, you know, I don't get the move at all. I think de Jong's a great player. I think he is really a fantastic midfielder, maybe one of the top 10 midfielders in the world right now. I know he hasn't been great for Barcelona this season, but I think his, his ability puts him in that class. I don't see for the life of me what Bayern Munich would be able to do with him. Uh, you have Joshua Kimmich, you have Leon Goretzka. I mean, with Kimmich, you have arguably the world's best six. I know most people would go with N'Golo Kante, but uh, I think Kimmich can give him a good run for his money. Uh, Leon Goretzka, just a tremendous box-to-box midfielder, can do it all. He's just a unique talent that physically and technically you can't really match up with. Um, so for De Jong, I just don't know how, how really conceivable it would be that Bayern Munich would invest any money into him. Uh, I think more and more, if there is any legitimate interest, or if there is, if there are talks going on, it might just be Bayern poking the Barca bear right now because of the alleged damaged relationship between the two clubs. I, I just can't see De Jong, no matter how talented he is, uh, making the move to Bayern Munich unless there was some kind of formation change headed down the pike with Nagelsmann switching to a four-three-three or something like that. It's just uh, one of those things that that doesn't make sense. Uh, for De Jong, I, I don't think it makes sense. I think where he'll end up is probably Man City. But the caveat there is if Pep Guardiola sticks with the club, if he does not stick, then De Jong probably uh, might not be as inclined to go there. So there are a lot of things in motion. You could sit here and you could probably talk for six, seven hours just about all of the crazy transfer nonsense going on. Uh, and, and only half of that would be involving Bayern Munich. I mean, Bayern's name has been connected to just a, a ton of players. Um, and, and really, one of the only other stories that caught my eye over the course of this week was um, Florian Verts. Uh, there was a nice piece done by Kerry Howe in Sport One that detailed uh, exactly where Bayern Munich is in their rumored pursuit of Florian Verts. So, Oh, this one's a little deep. If you look at Verts, he looks like the prototypical kind of player that Byron would want. Creative, uh, unselfish, explosive, and German, right? Like So he is going to be one of Germany's key players over the next decade or so, at least. He just looks like a mega talent. And to think that, you know, with his type of game and versatility, you would have players like Jamal Musiala and Verts and and Serge Gnabry and Sané as, as leading Germany, uh, I'm sorry, Bayern Munich's next generation, it would be pretty enticing. But according to how, despite Bayern Munich's uh, intentions 
to, to be interested in verts, that they already know that they might not be able to financially hang with clubs like Chelsea or PSG or Real Madrid or any of the other clubs that are allegedly looking into Florian Verts at this point. Now, Verts, for his part, has told Bayer Leverkusen that he will not be moving on prior to 2023. So he's got at least another season and a half in the Bundesliga, establishing himself, proving his talent, and really upping his price tag. And for as much as he may like Bayern Munich and as much as Bayern is in contact with his family, uh, it's going to come down to one, what these other clubs can offer Leverkusen for him and two, how much he wants to be paid. Now, I think Verts is one of those talents that you do break the bank for if you're, if you're a good club and you want a, a attacking midfielder with that type of ability, I think you, you do go and lock him up. But for Bayern Munich, the interesting thing that Kerry Howe brought out was they might have their own internal roadblock from a sporting perspective because they have Paul Vonner, who is a player that it seems like has burst onto the scene and that everyone loves at Bayern Munich, including Julian Nagelsmann. So if Vonner is considered that great of a talent, which he is, and Verts has such a, a high price tag associated with his name, I think it's pretty safe to say that Byron's going to hedge their bet and go with Vonner and think and probably think to themselves, if it doesn't work out with him, we still we have Musiala in-house already if we need a Thomas Muller uh, understudy, or they could let Verts go spread his wings in another league and look to get him on his next contract. So there are a lot of options in that scenario. I think most fans of the Bundesliga would love to see Florian Verts stay in the Bundesliga. But that does not look like it's happening. It looks like Verts is going to follow the career arc of players like Tony Cruz or Mesut Ozil, who will take their games to foreign land and establish themselves as stars. I think that is really the level where Verts is at. I think he's just that good. And uh, he's going to make some team very happy. It just might not be Bayern Munich at this point. So I think what we're going to do is wrap up the flagship show. I know this was... Uh, a little bit off and just having one person and that one person being me. So you'll see me back later this week with the weekend warm up. I'll see if I can track down a guest to join me for that, but I appreciate you listening. And, you know, as Andy Reed said this week, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. So I'm kind of feeling that way with the whole Sula situation, but I hope you kind of get where I'm coming from and breaking that down for you. And hopefully this is something that, you know, looks bad now, but the club might be able to work out. I just don't think that's the case. I think Sula is just about as good as done with Bayern Munich. So thanks again for listening. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And uh, you can get Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71 So give him a shout. I know he likes to hear from you guys on our uh, site account on Twitter. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time.